I shall read from the King James Version of the Holy Bible. The topic is Revelation. 1 Corinthians And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual Ephesians. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ, by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Psalms Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. I shall now read correlative passages from the Christian Science textbook, Science and Health, with Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy. To mortal sense, science seems at first obscure, abstract, and dark, but a bright promise crowns its brow. When understood, it is truth's prism and praise. When you look it fairly in the face, you can heal by its means, and it has for you a light above the sun, for God is the light thereof. Its feet are pillars of fire, foundations of truth and love. It brings the baptism of the Holy Ghost, whose flames of truth were prophetically described by John the Baptist 
as consuming error. The still, small voice of scientific thought reaches over continent and ocean to the globe's remotest bound. The inaudible voice of truth is to the human mind as when a lion roareth. It is heard in the desert and in dark places of fear. Then is the power of truth demonstrated, made manifest in the destruction of error. The impersonation of the spiritual idea had a brief history in the earthly life of our Master. But of his kingdom there shall be no end, for Christ, God's idea, will eventually rule all nations and peoples imperatively, absolutely, finally, with divine science. This immaculate idea, represented first by man and according to the revelator, last by woman, will baptize with fire, and the fiery baptism will burn up the chaff of error with the fervent heat of truth and love, melting and purifying even the gold of human character. Divine science shows how the lamb slays the wolf. Innocence and truth overcome guilt and error. Ever since the foundation of the world, ever since error would establish material belief, evil has tried to slay the lamb. But science is able to destroy this lie called evil. The twelfth chapter of the Apocalypse typifies the divine method of warfare in science and the glorious results of this warfare. The following chapters depict the fatal effects of trying to meet error with error. The narrative follows the order used in Genesis. In Genesis, first the true method of creation is set forth, and then the false. Here also, the revelator first exhibits the true warfare, and then the false. Revelation 12, 7, 8 And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Self-abnegation, by which we lay down all for truth or Christ in our warfare against error, is a rule in Christian science. What must the end be? The sin, which one has made his bosom companion, comes back to him at last with accelerated force, 
for the devil knoweth his time is short. The dragon is at last stung to death by his own malice, but how many periods of torture it may take to remove all sin must depend upon sin's obduracy. For a victory over a single sin, we give thanks and magnify the Lord of hosts. What shall we say of the mighty conquest over all sin? At all times and under all circumstances, overcome evil with good. Know thyself, and God will supply the wisdom and the occasion for a victory over evil. Clad in the panoply of love, human hatred cannot reach you. The cement of a higher humanity will unite all interest in the one divinity. Truth and love prevail against the dragon because the dragon cannot war with them. Thus ended the conflict between the flesh and spirit. The scripture, Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many, is literally fulfilled when we are conscious of the supremacy of truth, by which the nothingness of error is seen, and we know that the nothingness of error is in proportion to its wickedness. He that touches the hem of Christ's robe and masters his mortal beliefs, animality, and hate rejoices in the proof of healing, in a sweet and certain sense that God is love. Alas! For those who break faith with divine science and fail to strangle the serpent of sin as well as of sickness. They are dwellers still in the deep darkness of belief. They are in the surging sea of error, not struggling to lift their heads above the drowning wave. The revelator lifts the veil from this embodiment of all evil and beholds its awful character. But he also sees the nothingness of evil and the allness of God. The revelator sees that old serpent, whose name is devil or evil, holding untiring watch, that he may bite the heel of truth and seemingly impede the offspring of the spiritual idea which is prolific in health, holiness, and immortality. The serpentine form stands for subtlety winding its way amidst all evil, but doing this in the name of good. Its sting is spoken of by Paul when he refers to spiritual wickedness in high places. It is the animal instinct in mortals which would impel them to devour each other and cast out devils through Beelzebub. As of old, evil still charges the spiritual idea with error's own nature and methods. This malicious animal instinct, of which the dragon is the type, incites mortals to kill morally and physically even their fellow mortals, and worse still, to charge the innocent with the crime. This last infirmity of sin will sink its perpetrator into a night without a star. The revelator speaks of Jesus as the Lamb of God and of the dragon as warring against innocence. Since Jesus must have been tempted in all points, he, the Immaculate, met and conquered sin in every form.
until the majesty of truth should be demonstrated in divine science, the spiritual idea was arraigned before the tribunal of so-called mortal mind, which was unloosed in order that the false claim of mind in matter might uncover its own crime of defying immortal mind. From Genesis to the Apocalypse, sin, sickness, and death, envy, hatred, and revenge, all evil, are typified by a serpent or animal subtlety. Jesus said, quoting a line from the Psalms, They hated me without a cause. The serpent is perpetually close upon the heel of harmony. From the beginning to the end, the serpent pursues with hatred the spiritual idea. In Genesis, this allegorical talking serpent typifies mortal mind, more subtle than any beast of the field. In the Apocalypse, when nearing its doom, this evil increases and becomes the great red dragon swollen with sin, inflamed with war against spirituality and ripe for destruction. It is full of lust and hate, loathing the brightness of divine glory. Thus we see in both the first and last books of the Bible, in Genesis and in the Apocalypse, that sin is to be Christianly and scientifically reduced to its native nothingness. Thus we see in both the first and last books of the Bible, in Genesis and in the Apocalypse, that sin is to be Christianly and scientifically reduced to its native nothingness. In science we are children of God, but whatever is of material sense or mortal belongs not to his children, for materiality is the inverted image of spirituality. Under the supremacy of spirit, it will be seen and acknowledged that matter must disappear. Red dragon, error, fear, inflammation, sensuality, subtlety, animal magnetism, envy, revenge. Let us have a few moments of silent prayer. <laughs> 